If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Psalms. We're going to look in the 43rd Psalm. The 43rd Psalm. Uh, Some writers say that this Psalm is a continuation of Psalm 42. We're not so much going to preach it in that way, but we will... um, We will cover these verses. Hopefully, today's message will be an encouragement to each of you. And so glad my mother and her husband's able to be with us today. Uh, You have been praying. You've asked me uh, on many occasions, how is she doing? Well, she's here. And you can, uh, I'm sure she'll be glad to speak with you uh, today after the service if you have any questions for her. But as we are Looking in Psalm 43 today, we want just for a thought today is responding to our brokenness. Responding to our brokenness. Uh, in his retirement, Thomas Jefferson found, founded the University of Virginia. Now, Thomas Jefferson done something that we definitely would not do today. This is a time when you would have thought he was safe in doing this, but he trusted that the students coming to the University of Virginia would take their studies seriously. And because of this, they were very relaxed. The administration became, was very relaxed on their code of discipline. Unfortunately, it proved to be a grave mistake. It became a serious problem. The students began to misbehave so that a riot broke out and the professors who were trying to stop the riot were attacked. The following day, a meeting was held between the university's board, which included Thomas Jefferson, and the defiant students. Jefferson began by saying, this is one of the most painful events of my life. He was so overcome by his emotion that he burst into tears. Another board member asked the rioters to come forward and give their names. Now you're thinking what I thought when I got to that point. (laughs) He was delusional to think that they were going to come forth and admit to their wrongdoing. However, nearly everyone came forth. When asked why, why would they come forth? One of the writers stated it was not the words of Thomas Jefferson, but it was his tears that led them to their confession. The brokenness of Thomas Jefferson over this event, uh, it came because it was out of his control. He couldn't control what had took place and he was just broken by it. So my question today is how do we respond when we're broken? When we're broken in spirit, How do we truly respond? Psalm 43, as we look at it, we're reminded to trust the Lord. No matter our circumstance, no matter what's surrounding us, if we'll just trust the Lord and wait on him, 
we'll find that he'll make everything right. As we look here in Psalm 43, the Bible says, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And on the harp, I will praise you. Oh God, my God, why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hoping God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. This is God's holy word. God, as we do come before you today, we we give you honor and praise. And God, we admit that we're weak, we're flawed. And God, we need your help right now. God, we know that you're able to do what we cannot do. So God, right now, we're going to trust you in this time. We ask that you would speak to your people, that you would open my mind, you would open my heart, and help me, God, to receive from you what thus saith the Lord. And we'll give you praise for everything that's accomplished. God, if we, if anyone here is burdened, we pray that today, God, they'll just trust you. If anyone here is lost and far from you, God, we pray that today they would trust you. And God, we'll give you praise for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This is... (laughs) Not a message to where I, I hope when you leave that you feel like I've stepped on your toes. I, I hope you've, you, you leave feeling very encouraged. But we're going to see what God has to say to us. Uh, we've all faced difficult times in our lives. We can pretty much attest to that. We've all experienced times where we were confused. Times when we were filled with pain. Times when we were even overwhelmed with heartache. And if we're not careful, these moments in our lives can consume us. However, as born-again believers, we we have the opportunity, we do have the opportunity to allow these type of moments in our lives to reveal a testimony of faith and dependence on our Lord Jesus Christ. As we read... This psalm, it becomes evident that the psalmist is a broken man. Though he is broken, he doesn't waller in self-pity very long. He didn't throw in the towel and just give up. He didn't run to others and just complain about his circumstance. Instead, what we find he does is he lifts his voice to the Lord. Uh, This is a great lesson for all of us. We have a God who loves us. 
a God who knows everything about us. He loves us in spite of who we are and what we are. We love to, we are flesh and we know we're flesh. We have a sin nature and, and we love to say that, that we were created in the image of God, but truth be known, we were created in the, we we were born in sin and we were shaped in iniquity. But in spite of being born in sin, in spite of being shaped in iniquity, God loves us. And he loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, not whoever obeys him perfectly, but whoever believes in him, not whoever tithes the most, but whoever believes in him, not who uses and has the most gifts, but whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And because he and only he loves us that much, we can cry out to him in our time of need. You know, here we see in this psalm that a, a plea is made by brokenness or it's made in brokenness. Why is this psalmist so broken. We have no idea who the psalmist is. There's some who believe it may have been David. There's some who believe it may have been Hezekiah. We're not sure. We can't say who the psalmist is, but, but what, it, what appears is that this psalmist has been harassed or he's been slandered or both. It's clear that he is facing a time of trouble. So he declares that God is his strength. What he is saying is that God is his stronghold. God is his fortress. God is his place of refuge. In other words, he's placed his faith in God, but he, he just doesn't in this moment sense God's presence. So he asked the question, why? It's a question a lot of us will ask God from time to time when we don't sense his presence. Why? He go, he asked two questions here. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my of the enemy? The enemy is oppressing the, the psalmist uh, and it appears it appears it, it comes, this oppression comes from ungodly people. A people who have no regard for the Lord or the Lord's law. When you see that in scripture, that's exactly what it's speaking of. When it speaks of ungodliness, it's those who have no regard for God's law or for God's presence. And because there was no regard for God's law, the nation was filled with deceitful people. It was filled with unrighteous people. And do we want to know why we're where we're at today in the world? Is we're living amongst a nation filled with deceitful and unrighteous people. We're living in a time where our nation is governed by ungodly people. People who have no regard for God's laws. People have no regard for God's presence. We, we, it don't matter if they ride the elephant or if they ride the donkey. We're living in a time when there's no regard for God's law on either side. And because of this, we're living amongst a nation or we're living in a nation of people who are unrighteous and who are deceitful. It's no wonder that there's so much brokenness going on in the world, is it? Here, this psalmist 
is in this situation. He feels attacked by this unlawful group of people. And we hear his desperate plea, crying out to God, vindicate me. Oh God, plead my cause. You know, the apostle Peter, he encourages us in his first epistle. He tells us in chapter four to not consider it strange concerning the fiery trial that you find yourself in. No matter if we're serving God to the best of our ability, we're giving him glory for all that he's accomplished in our lives, we're still not exempt from the trials. Peter says that we should rejoice to the extent that we are partakers in Christ's sufferings. And when his glory is revealed, we'll be glad with, get this, he says, we'll be glad with exceeding joy. It seems he understood completely what the Apostle Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. When he says, for our light affliction is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. So what we find is both apostles, uh, they seem to be telling us that if we'll just trust the Lord, if we'll trust in his promises, if we will continue to lean on him, we'll discover that our vindication is very near. Here, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, can share times when we found ourselves in situations that's just out of our control. Maybe we've been victims of slander or false accusations by people who just wanted to hurt us. Maybe we were faced with sickness or maybe there was marital problems or family problems or financial crisis or, or even the death of a loved one. I'm sure most of, here, most of us here can identify with a feeling that things have become so overwhelming that we can't handle it on our own. And the situation just may be so dire that we begin to question God's love for us. We've worked for the Lord, contributing our time, our talent, and our treasure. We've worshiped the Lord, giving him praise, glorifying his name, and magnifying the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've witnessed for the Lord, sharing the good news of the gospel to friends and family, to co-workers, to, to neighbors, and even strangers. And now we can't help ourselves. We get the sense that that God's presence is no longer with us. God's presence is no longer working in our lives. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you know what it's like to feel weak and alone. Maybe it's, you know what it's like to be falling apart. And it's in those times, it's in those times we feel like life just isn't fair. Well, I got news for us. The Bible never says that life would be fair. We may even feel like the children of Israel where they were, had the Red Sea in front of them and Egypt's army behind them. But it's then we must remember that his strength is revealed in our weakness. He invites us to come boldly to his throne, seeking his grace and mercy to help us in our time of need so we can boldly cry out to him, even if we're feeling forsaken, even if we're feeling rejected. This is a walk of faith and not a walk of feelings. It's then that we can rest in the promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We can trust his promises will stand the fiery trials of our lives. Yes, we see here in this passage, the psalmist, instead of wallowing in his self-pity, instead of wallowing in, in all 
that seems to be falling apart around him. He's crying out to God, saying, vindicate me. In his brokenness, this is a broken man. A man who just really don't know where to turn but other than, but to God. You know, there are times in our lives when he put us in a place where we've got nowhere to look but up. There's, a time, there's times when he, he will work in us in a way to where he has to get our attention. Because he's, he's making one last plea for us to come to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can, save us, we can save ourselves a lot of trouble if we just immediately cry out to him. The psalmist, in his brokenness, he pleads for the Lord's help. But he doesn't just plead for his help. He makes a pledge to the Lord. And we see the pledge of the broken in verses 3 and 4 where psalmist, again, he asks God to deliver him from his despair. He needed God to restore him to a place of joy, a place of peace. So it appears here that the psalmist realizes he can't get there on his own. He can't have this joy. He can't experience this peace alone. It appears that he doesn't want to follow his own path anymore. His path has gotten him into the situation that he is in. And now now he's seeking for God to lead him and to guide him. He says here that he wants him to guide him by his light. He says, by your light and by his truth. Here, God's light, it represented God's presence. And God's truth, it represented God's word. The psalmist was seeking for God to direct his life. He was seeking God to guide him with his presence and with his word. You know, while the psalmist wanted to be guided by God's presence and God's word, he, he wanted to be guided to God's holy hill. He tells us here that uh, to guide me to thy holy hill, he, he's telling it's a reference to Mount Zion or even uh, Jerusalem. It's a place of God's tabernacle, a place where God dwelled with his people. And it seems that the psalmist is longing to get to where he can experience the presence of God. <laughs> it seems to me, looking at this text, that the psalmist is actually more concerned with experiencing God's presence than he is escaping his enemy. <laughs> Uh, we need to catch hold of that. <laughs> There's a great lesson right there. Because if we get in the presence of God, the enemy can't harm us. He cannot cross the bloodline. He cannot harm us when we're right in the center of God's will. He might come around us. He might, he might roar. He might yell. He might do a lot of things. He might even poke and prod. But he cannot harm us when we're in the presence of God. He vows, God, if you'll just lead me to your presence, then I'll worship you. He's willing to shout that God was his God with exceeding joy. He's willing to worship because there's nothing or no one who could give him the joy 
that he found in his God. He declared that he would sing praises with his harp to his God. I wonder if we ever reference God as my God. <laughs> I wonder if we ever reference him as, as being ours not just the God of glory, but I want you, he's my God. You know, I don't know if I'll be here next week because there's no telling what might happen this week. And if I'm not here next week and they will me down in this place, and as a matter of fact, it'll take place here. If they will me down, know that I'm going to be with my God, the God of glory. He is mine and I am his. <laughs> oh, there's no greater joy. <laughs> There's no greater joy than basking in the presence of God. There's no greater joy than spending time in fellowship with him. And, and we can sense the psalmist has a thirst for a personal encounter with God as he addresses the Lord as my God. You know, God was more than just the God of heaven and earth. But the God of heaven and earth was his God. Uh, the circumstances of his life had kept him from that special place where God's presence on earth was revealed. And he longed, he longed to be there. You know, the difference in then and today, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to the holy hill. All we have to do is go to his throne. We can bow down anywhere. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he, his presence is always dwelling within us. Those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who've been born again, who've been washed by the blood of the lamb through his Holy Spirit, he's abiding with us. God's spirit is a light that guides us into his truth. John 16 and 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come and he has come and wherever we are God is with us regardless of how dire our circumstances may seem it cannot keep us from living in the presence of God when we are when we're feeling depressed when we feel like the Lord has turned away from us we we can draw into his presence because his presence is ever abiding with us well, how do I get into his presence when I don't feel him and he's abiding with me just spend time in prayer spend time in his word and you'll find he's right there no matter how difficult our circumstance may be if we'll take our eyes off of our circumstance and place our eyes on the Lord <laughs> he will lift us out of the depression and he will restore, restore joy to our souls yes we will experience the joy of the Lord even in the most difficult times of our lives have you ever just been riding down the road so burdened so burdened that you don't know who to turn to and you just start, just start praying and start thinking about how big God is. Your prayer changes midway to where you stop telling God your problem and you start thanking him for who he is and that he's bigger than your problem. 
And then he puts a song on the radio as you're driving down the road and and you realize 10 miles later that you don't know how you got to where you were because you've been just praising the Lord. That's God, his presence in our lives. If we'll just focus on him, he'll always be right there with us. Yes, the psalmist in his brokenness, he makes a plea to the Lord and he pledges to worship and praise him. But we need to notice here in verse 5, he seems to, he seems to shift. Where in verses 1 through 4, we see him calling out, crying out to God, and we see him making a pledge to God or bartering with God almost. And then in verse 5, we see this shift where we see a believer's poise. Oh, we see his self-control. It changed to where everything around him was out of his control. He didn't even realize he was out of control. And now we sense he's focusing on being more poised. Than ever before. Uh, this song, song here in verse 5. It closes with the psalmist encouraging himself to compose himself. Look there in that song. Why are you cast down? He's not talking to God anymore. He's talking to himself. He says, oh my soul. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Until God would come to deliver him from his oppressors. And return him back to Jerusalem. The psalmist is determined that he will not succumb to depression and despair. Instead, no matter what the circumstances looked like or felt like. He would place his hope in God. Instead of worrying about what he didn't have the power to change, he would look to the one who had the power to turn night into day. He'd look to the one who had the power to turn weeping into joy. And he determined he was going to praise the Lord regardless of his circumstances. (laughs) I don't think... Miss Mary would mind me sharing this, but because I believe it'll help us. Went over there on Friday afternoon, and and Miss Mary was Miss Mary. (laughs) And the room cleared out, and it was just me and her. She had already told me what the doctors had said. And she said, preacher, I, family was here and I got the news. I didn't want to hear it. And I had to go to my room and get strengthened. <laughs> she described it. I had to have my pity party, but I had to have it alone. <laughs> so when she come out of the room, God had changed <laughs> Her perspective. 
It was no longer when she come out of the room, woe is me, for the fourth time. <laughs> but it's God's got this. <laughs> and we're sitting there as we're talking. She begins to share with me, you know what, preacher? Don't you worry about me because when, I, when it's my time to go, I'm going to be with the Lord. And she shared her testimony. She began to worship God right there. And when I got ready to leave, I sat down right beside her, grabbed her hands, and, and the presence of God filled that living room so that I could control myself as we were praying because I know that God's presence is there. And it wasn't just in that living room, but it was in her and it was in me. And whatever she goes through, his presence is going to go through it with her. I'm so glad we serve a God that we can call out to and we we don't feel like there's any vindication he will come sit down with us and comfort us in our time of need yes I left my home and drove to Fairmont to try to comfort one of our members and I left there with tears in my eyes running down my face so comforted that I haven't been able to stop the tears since because it lets me know it reminds me that he is real he is real if you're here today and you're feeling discouraged you're feeling depressed why not just do as the psalmist says Encourage yourself in the Lord and focus on the great hope that we have in him. Without the Lord, life in this sin-cursed world is difficult at very best. It's filled with problems beyond our control. But God, oh, I love that. But God, but God, he has given us hope to sustain us in our times of need. God has promised that his grace is sufficient to carry us through whatever trial we have to go through. And he has promised that he will work all things out. For our good and his glory to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Our duty is to trust him and to press forward in the full assurance of his promises. He assures us that his promises will come to pass. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 tells us that the promises of God in him are yes and amen so even when everything seems to be against us we should praise the Lord for he is our savior he is our God and our hope lies in him and in him alone casting crowns recorded a song several years ago titled I will praise you in the storm the lyrics of that first verse and chorus say this listen to these words I was sure by now God you would have reached down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day but once again I say amen it's still raining. And as the thunder rolls, I can barely hear your whisper through the rain that I'm still with you. 
And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. (laughs) And I'll praise you in this storm. And I will lift my hands that you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold, hold in your hand. You've never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. We can choose. We can choose if we're going to trust him in the storms of our lives. Oh, how, how can we best respond to our brokenness? Just praise the Lord. <laughs> praise him in our brokenness. And we'll find that he'll meet our every need. Every head bowed, every eye closed. as They, they would come to prepare a song of invitation. I'm going to ask... <laughs> Brother Don and Brother Curly, Brother Roger, Brother Gerald, I'm going to ask these men to come forth right here. I don't know what you may be experiencing or what your circumstance may be, but I know there's a God who loves us beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And if you're here today, and if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're feeling burdened, you're feeling troubled, you feel like you're in despair, oh, these men would love to pray with you. They would love to just just seek God's face, cry out to him on your behalf. Would you come right now? Right now, would you come? And if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to introduce you to a man that can wipe away all the discouragement from your life. A man who can give you what you've been searching for that this world can't offer. I'd love to introduce you to a man who loves you so much that he died in your place. He loves you today. He loves you today. I don't know why I come in this direction today. Maybe it's because I've got two funerals this week. I don't know why. But I do know that, that we're all struggling with something from time to time. If this isn't your time of struggle, praise God. If it's your time, these men would love to pray with you. But if you don't know Jesus, I'd love to introduce him to you. Would you come? As they begin to sing the song, would you come?